Hello and welcome to episode number seven of this podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman and I host it with my friend Alexi Anel. Um, this week's podcast is about a psychotherapy framework called The Human Givens that both of us are studying at the moment. Um, it's a very interesting framework. I would say for me, it links a lot of um, uh, a lot of different therapeutic methods um, from all over the world from a massive span of time and it kind of gives them a bit of um it puts them in a framework and uh so yeah it's quite an interesting one um we go off on a few tangents uh but i hope you get something from it and enjoy perambulations in franglais No, I think the main thing about um, that humanistic uh, way of doing it is quite interesting and it's quite patient-centered as well. So um, I was listening to a nice little podcast from Jordan Peterson about phenomenological uh, ideas in a way and Carl Rogers, which is um, existential and phenomenologist in a way, and it really reflects a bit the whole patient-centered uh, therapy, in a way, and I think that's quite an interesting way, basically. So you really want the patient to tell you the truth, and you need to install um, uh, ambience or a setup that is actually conducive for people to be really themselves, in a way, really. And you must not make too many, you know, Everything that the patient tells you should be really taken as face value and it's always quite an interesting thing rather than being a bit too judgmental about the whole lot in a way really. So um, that's quite interesting really. And then um, Joe Griffin and uh, Ivan Tarrell and their human givens is really in that vein in terms of um, really giving people a framework to be able to work around really with some uh, innate resources and some uh, uh, emotion or physical of course and emotional needs that need to be fulfilled really in a bit of a balanced fashion really so there's loads of different concepts important to actually look into there's right and left brain kind of way of functioning there's that Uh, concept of catextia especially at the moment which is really super important as well in terms of um, that context blindness part of things and the more aroused we are the, um, the least we see the tree from the forest in a way really and we and the more we fall into one of our brain So if we fall a bit too much in our left brain, we get a little bit autistic. We get a bit callous, a bit not very emotional. We get a bit sequential, really. So it becomes a bit like um, warped in a way, really. And then if we go into our uh, right brain, we go a little bit schizoid and psychotic. So we become a bit emotional. We get a bit, uh, lots of lateral thinking. It's a very imaginary type of world, a little bit we access, all those kind of mm -hmm. stuff, which is interesting. But again, without the left brain to keep in check, I think it's difficult. And once, uh, or it's difficult, no, it warps your model of reality a little bit. And it's not helping you to find um, 
solution that kind of help you to um, um, alter a little bit your view of reality in a way. And I think that's a bit the tricky part in a way. In the in Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrell's book Godhead, they describe it as mechanistic and mentalistic. And mentalistic, yes, that's it. That's it. That's oh, quite a good way uh, of yeah. of actually segregating the two hemispheres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like um, chaos and order. Chaos and order is the same. Jordan Peterson would really agree with that, and. I think there was like this couple of um, yeah other ways to actually describe it, but I think it's because it's always a bit difficult to. There's lots of school of thought about what the brain and the two hemispheres are on about and uh, how lateral, like uh, how yeah how the, how they function a bit differently or or. Um, language, for example, um, and the acquisition of language is mostly to do with. We've done loads of uh, tests with that, with uh, all the Broca and Wernicke area. So you need to be able to vocalize the whole thing and then hear your own voice. And from the. There's a feedback loop a little bit with things in order to be able to um, speak. And it's really mostly on the left uh, side of the brain, basically. But we notice when people have got a, a cerebrovascular accident or strokes on their left uh, brain, and you compare men and women, we've got uh, men having much more difficulty to actually um, recuperate or improve from the aphasia they tend to suffer from, from a, a stroke on the left brain, basically, compared to women who seem to be actually recovering the acquisition of language a bit faster. And there's a lot of uh, um, things saying that maybe, maybe, or actually there is, a lot of the right brain in women that is actually involved in a language, basically. Mm. But maybe the, the way the language is actually uh, constructed, it becomes a bit different as well, in a way. So it's a bit more imaginary, a bit, a bit more metaphorical, rather than a bit too realistic type and description. And, and literal. And literal, exactly, that's it. Mm. So um, that's, um, that's something that I always think about when I hear people talking about struggles within a relationship mm -hmm. and specifically a heterosexual relationship mm -hmm. and whether it's a girl I, I hear or, or a man mm -hmm. and how they're like, but I, think I can never get them to understand me. Yeah, and that's it's the way mm -hmm. that they will use their language mm -hmm. and the way that they see reality is mm -hmm. i mean everyone sees reality slightly differently more than likely yeah, yeah yeah and but the way they actually use their language is different to the way that men do do and yeah, yeah, yeah often communicating that could be quite but, um, interesting yeah and sometimes a bit uh, you, you have to remember one of the resources we have as uh, humans is we pattern match a little bit really and i think sometimes the language we use and the tone of our voice or the phrasing of it, whether we do imperative tense or a question or different things can be interpreted and pattern matched by your partner as antagonizing in a way, really. So I think we have to be, a, yes, we have to be a bit... Um, not too cliche. Well, it's a bit cliche, but it's actually an interesting way of looking at it, of course. Uh, somebody who's a bit more left-brained, 
So, because the heterosexual top thing is not really especially relevant here, because I'm pretty sure there's some same-sex relationship where the one of the uh, conjoint is actually a bit more into his left or her left brain, and um, the other one is maybe a bit more in his or her right brain. And therefore, that's a bit the whole dichotomy between the two, really. And, and I think we have had the tendency to classify men a bit more on average into their left, right brain, left brain, sorry, rather than women on average being a bit more on their right brain. But it doesn't exclude the fact that some women are a bit more left brain and men are a bit more right brain. Yeah, of course. And, and maybe part of the, um, gender, Uh, push and the fact that uh, some people want to really belong to a group a little bit and and have um, uh, you know like a status as well and the attention they require they tend to be they tend to have we tend to have developed certain uh, uh, new new genders or new ways of organizing genders and they are possibly just driven by a discrepancy between the left and the right brain in a way really so like, i think uh, that, that like, would be quite um, like there being no black and white almost like a dimmer switch between the two kind of thing like a the discrepancy between using the two mm-hmm. is where those different genders kind of almost kind of sit. that's it that's it that's yeah. it that's it that's it that's it and Well, we, yeah. we had spoken a bit about feminism at some stage, a little bit, where um, the overarching type thing was women wanting to um, be equal to men. In a way, there's, there's much more subtleties to the whole thing, really. But And I think it pushed a lot women into their left brain, in a way. And so there's a men who are mostly in their left brain. And now women have been pushed with that uh, feministic type uh, or feminism movement a bit more into their left brain. So we've got a world that is even more dominated by left brain, which isn't really a problem too much in a way because, or it is in other ways, uh, a lot of people who can monetize their jobs, a lot of jobs and a lot of talents we have are monetized when you're a bit more in your left brain yeah, compared to being in your right brain. So you're, uh, you play the guitar really well, how well and you're very, an artist, you're very creative, which actually we all need some creativity around us, but how well, how well equipped are you to actually run a business or actually monetize your skill really and, and make a living out of it really. So we can see a little bit the uh, tendency for everybody to go into that left brain, uh, running a business, doing accounts, uh, marketing, all those kind of stuff, and organizing your week, all those kind of things. You can't really improvise a- every week. You need something a bit square, a bit more linear, a bit more sequential, which is a bit which requires your left brain to really dominate a bit, a bit things really, and that's why how you can really monetize things really mm-hmm. compared to if you're a bit too much in your right brain, a bit too much artistic and it's a bit like free free flow a little bit well it's not really as a bit too chaotic, a bit too chaotic and that's and so the, the western society um, and maybe even like uh, um, uh, the mercantile aspect and the mercantile focus there is in our society is actually commanding um, and or demanding uh, people to be a bit more in their left brain really so That's no wonder women were actually a little bit more um, 
warped in their choice to actually go into their left brain rather than asking their blokes a little bit to be a bit more in their right brain in a way really yeah. and and it would have been maybe creating a bit of a world that was a bit more altruistic or something like that really but I guess there's a bit of a backlash to that thing and I guess well my grandfather uh, has got a bit of a different gender <laughs> than mine and I'm looking a bit more after the kids I'm a bit more involved at home with homework with the kids like uh, taking them to school and uh, cooking all those kind of stuff a bit which and doing the, the dishes and uh, putting the laundry vacuuming all those kind of stuff really which um, which was a bit more what women didn't want to actually do anymore because they had done it a bit too much really so like my grandma was a bit more uh, woman and my wife is a bit more man in a way really and um, my granddad was a bit more man and a bit more woman in a way that's so very sexist of you well that's it that's it that's compare it compare them to that's it. old women and that's new it, that's age it. women new age women exactly i find that quite interesting uh because the idea of like with the gender pay gap and people talking about that and getting really angry about it mm-hmm. and they're really focusing on that i think it was like 80 cents of the dollar mm-hmm. and they're just jumping to a very literal maybe two left brain conclusion that it's purely down to genitals Mm -hmm. and and then and it's purely men like the tyrannical patriarchy oppressing Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. but in reality it looks like it's the more left brain way of the nature of society Mm -hmm. that has created lots of scalable products and things that we want to buy Mm -hmm. and the more scalable a product Mm -hmm. the more money you can make mm-hmm. through it and then therefore earn more money. Otherwise you go off to the next company that will pay you more, blah, blah, blah. That's it. And so we're all focusing on a very left brain way of... Or we do black pro- and white. Black and white. Black, and, yeah, black yeah. and white. And But in reality, what we need is definitely a slightly more matriarchal, let's say, and and slightly more right, right brain mm-hmm. or like a bit more balance between the two. Mm-hmm. So to go back towards the right brain. Yeah. But remember the pay gap uh, thing is uh, an interesting um, <clears throat> conundrum a bit really. And I think we have to stop focusing on people's uh, gender. We need to focus on people's skills and people's uh, capacities and abilities individual. of individuals, really, rather than the thing, really. So, uh, Mr. Truro in Canada does a, a government and he, bo- he boasts the stuff about having 50% women and 50% men. But um, if that's what matters, I don't think it really matters, really. No. We need people who are competent in the job, really. And unfortunately, a lot of uh, high-end uh, jobs and uh, managerial jobs are a bit more demanding on the left brain. And therefore, men seem to be a bit more equipped with their left brain, on average, to actually uh, keep those jobs and actually do well with those jobs. Not, not to say that women are not capable of doing it, but they are a bit more, um, uh, on average, a bit more into their right brain and a bit more interested in nurturing children and they've got other skills, they've got other set of skills, but it isn't really monetized in society. And that's the whole problem, really. That's, that's the issue. But, that's then, the, thing, but really. the men in high-paid jobs is also, I mean, it's multi-pronged because not only is it generally 
it like panders more to the left brain mm-hmm. on top of that you being in your right brain is more emotional and more uh, nurturing as mm-hmm. you said mm-hmm. and therefore generally they want it they want uh, over a certain amount of money women generally are happy earning that and then want to spend time with their kids mm-hmm. but men being more left brain rather than right brain mm-hmm. generally mm-hmm. means that they're probably more happy doing something that is more stimulating for the left brain mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. rather than going home and spending time with, time with the kids. kids exactly yeah yeah and it's actually quite anyway so it's on average and then we see we were listening to uh, interesting thing about the research that have been done by a lot of uh, sociologists about uh, the scandinavian countries and that uh, quite authoritative left uh, left Uh, like socialist uh, governments who tend to have actually pushed society and 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 changed a bit uh, the way people's opportunities were actually laid off for them and they were they were trying to even out the um, opportunities men and women were having or women were having compared to men and trying to really level the whole lot and to try to have a, um, Uh, closer to 50% of each mem- uh, each gender in the majority of roles, especially that's STEM it. fields. That's it. And it turns out uh, 20 or 30 years down the line that there's never been as much discrepancy in between men and women in the workplace because when the whole difference is mitigated, I think on average, a lot of women would rather uh, spend time with their kids. That's it, really, because that's what they are really wired to do, really. Okay, Not but, to say that but, men aren't, but... But with that, it's just, mo- the majority of people would say that that's because of the tyrannical patriarchy. Ah, but no, because uh, the government has actually mitigated all the whole thing, actively, and quite in an authoritative fashion. So it's not like a very right-sided uh, or like a, a capitalistic type of thing. The Scandinavian uh, governments are quite uh, socialist and they've actually very actively uh, tried to mitigate the whole thing. So it's actually not patriarchal at all. It's really what we talk about, about uh, socialism, trying to even out everything and, and, thing, and forgetting a little bit that... Uh, people have got different skills and different abilities and different uh, propensions mm. and and on average or over a, a population it actually seems to uh, there's a discrepancy between men and women They, we can't do the same thing on average no, not that individually we should not be kind of incentivized to try to do the same thing in a way but People a bit too much in their left brain are going to be able to monetize themselves in certain types of jobs that tend to be highly more paid in West, Western and uh, um, uh, capitalistic type environment compared to people who are more in their right brain. That's it, really. I think that's really a bit the whole problem, really. And, and We haven't worked out how to pay more for right brain. But that's it. Uh, that's it. That's it. 
So there is a bit of a demand potentially to actually look at uh, all those creative and and all those uh, maybe more right, uh, more altruistic, more caring, more. You look at uh, nurses, majority of nurses at women, and they are very badly paid, really. When actually they, they are the, the backbone of the NHS in or the health system or, uh, in general, really. Yeah, that's it, really. Society. Or society, really. exactly. And it's not really well paid. You look at teachers, the majority of teachers are women, and then all the rest, really. I think it's all those things, really. And then it requires a little bit to open up and to enable people who are a little less wired, or not less wired, but less not able because it's really bad to say that because it's just like less inclined possibly to actually access their left brain and do the whole due diligence to those kind of jobs than others who are a bit more right brain and a bit more creative and and caring and altruistic and and turn towards others really in a way really turn towards the world really and, we, and uh, like one of the biggest ones from in, from my perspective is that is the empathy which which patient like from that comes patience and when you're working with people mm-hmm. that really really helps mm-hmm. like being being able to empathize with that person then therefore have patience with them yeah yeah if you're not able to empathize yeah, yeah, you yeah. become incredibly frustrated very quickly yeah yeah but um, remember we talked about uh, agreeableness we talked about uh, uh, neuroticism we talked about uh, conscientiousness we talked about openness to experience we talked about different things that can be measured and uh, to try to correlate different uh, traits in a way so conscientiousness would be the uh, best personality trait that actually reflect your success in a western and a bit more um, uh, mercantile um, uh, environment in a way uh, so when you're an artist you don't have much conscientiousness unfortunately really or unfortunately or fortunately but it doesn't pay as much and i think that's a bit to do with the consciousness conscientiousness really in a way so all those traits of personality are actually quite, and I think that's the agreeableness you're talking about a little mm. bit, because uh, empathizing is another, and sympathizing is uh, this quite so a bit of a subtle. This I think is agreeableness a yeah, little yeah. bit really. Anyway, but that's that's uh, we we diverge a little bit, yeah. or we 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 went down on the track again, <laughs> down the rabbit hole or the badger hole a little bit again because it's 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 a never-ending type thing. But that's where it's an interesting way to look at gender difference with uh, what the right and the left brain difference are actually doing. And when when you look at uh, um, neuropsychology a little bit it's 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 bringing to the table uh, different arguments and different ways and it reflects maybe um, the reality a bit better and uh, uh, the little post we've put this uh, week on uh, on our facebook it's a bit about the fact that knowledge is uh, uh, very good to be used and we can use knowledge quite nicely really and a belief tend to actually uses us in a way so if you believe a bit the gender uh, thing well you get a bit uh, more easily into the a bit of a black and white way of thinking and you don't have enough arguments in terms of and not enough knowledge about the subject and you get a bit polarized in your view really rather than you know well 
Is it really that bad to be a man and to be able to earn some money for the jobs that you're maybe more wired to do, really? That's it, really. Mm. And, and that, that's, that's it, really. That's not the argument. The argument is... It's not they, fair. That's it. Job, that's it. It's that, not fair. That's that's that's, that's 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 it's not fair. It's not even an argument. It's not even. You can't. You can't. It, that's, like it's, it's a statement. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a meaning meaningless statement. But it's again. Uh, there's another post that you did this week of um, something along the lines of to see both sides is. Will make you will guarantee that you don't solve the problem. As I said, I said, I said, every problem has more than two sides. As I said, I said, I said, that's the that's the exact same thing again because it. it's like someone, some two people might have identical jobs and do the exact same role, yeah. but your job does, isn't just the time that you're paid to be there. That's it. Your job is, is everything. And the it? one who's a bit paid a bit less is possibly less a bit uh, more agreeable. Quite possibly. That's and, it. But that's, that's what that's I mean. It. It's like On average, that's that you it. you do, like, accumulates to who you are and, and what you do that, to mm-hmm. other things. Like, everything's linked. Mm-hmm. So outside of work, you're still mm-hmm. doing things that are affecting your work and et cetera, et cetera. And so there would never, ever be two identical situations. Of course. And it's, again, talking about how instead of identifying someone as a group, which is a way too simple way to talk about, to identify mm-hmm, someone, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, yeah. we need to be identifying people as an individual yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. And then we need to um, really stop talking about fairness because it doesn't really exist. And we need to talk about responsibility. It's not anybody else's fault, but you take responsibility for the whole thing yourself. And I think it solves quite a lot of problems mm. in a way. And then there's far less headache about the thing, really. That's all. But yeah, if we, when we want to try to mitigate those things, it's uh, all like uh, all like like humankind, really. I think it's been we've always always not done uh, the same thing, really. Women never went hunting, or not not as many women went hunting than men. Um, they didn't have the opportunity, they didn't they? Yeah. I don't know, the government was not uh, giving them an incentive. I'm pretty sure that most people who didn't have to go and do a dangerous thing would probably be relatively happy that exactly. they didn't have to go and do a yeah. dangerous thing. Women seem to go to war nowadays in the army, but for the longest time they never, never went. So oh, that's, they weren't allowed in the army, though. As I said, yeah, they could have made a woman army. But anyway, that, that's the thing, really. It's just like... Anyway, but... It's all it's all the same thing, really. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing, and it doesn't. We can't really solve the whole thing by just talking about fairness, and that's this responsibility. You take responsibility for the whole thing that is happening to you, mm-hmm. and you we talk about uh, other people who need to not think that it's not fair or fair. They need to be able to take responsibility for their own um, well, lives, really. There's and, always something. And the outcome for all their uh, actions is really uh, leading to that. And maybe knowing themselves a bit better and all of a sudden, you know you're very agreeable and therefore you're not going to want to be too confrontational with your boss and therefore when he's actually telling you, oh, well, it's going to be 
you're going to be paid a bit less than the bloke who does the same job instead of telling him to f off and and to get another uh, to go somewhere else and to tell him well pff, well find somebody else because I'm actually very competent I'm actually very conscientious I'm very enthusiastic I'm very driven about the whole lot and if you pay me less well uh, find somebody else. That's it, really. But if you got uh, a mortgage and if you uh, you go shopping every Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday as well, and you got a big credit card bill and you got uh, uh, four kids instead of maybe uh, you go to private school and you got a big car and then a whole lot, well, uh, all of a sudden you're less likely to actually tell the guy to f off. Uh, and that's it, really. So you do why? Why is it you do the job you do, really? In a way, really. So you do it to be paid uh, in order to pay your credit card. So that's good. So, so because that's the reason why you're not actually getting rid of the job. So yeah, tricky. Mm, tricky. It it's tricky. You're not getting, you're not telling your, your boss because you're a bit too agreeable about the whole lot and you take responsibility for that. Or you actually whinge because you don't have more money than the bloke who does the same job. But actually, you haven't uh, actually told the boss because you think that if you tell him, he's going to sack you and you need the money and because you do the job for the money. Well, no. So you need to make the argument a little bit more solid than that, really. That's it, really. There's, uh, yes, what is the reason why you do the job? That's it, really. Mm. And why is it you don't take it or, or quit it, really? Okay, bye. I can go somewhere else and find another job. There's plenty of jobs, plenty of work, plenty of opportunities. There's lots of countries, all those kind of stuff. Ah, oh, yeah, but I don't speak another language. But yeah, you don't. Well, <laughs> well learn, huh? That's it, really. Your responsibility. Oh, but I've got a big credit card uh, bill. Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> is it not fair? <laughs> yeah. That's it, really. So you uh, made de certain decisions and you actually whinge about the difference in pay, but you're not actually willing to actually uh, stand for the whole thing because you think there are other things that are more needed for the money you're going to get there. It doesn't, I don't know. It's another way of looking at it, mm. whether it's right or not. It's one thing, really, but... I think we have to be quite honest and truthful about the whole lot in a way at times. And yes, there has been a lot of uh, oppression, uh, monetary control from men to women. And a lot of the time, women have actually uh, possibly agreed for the whole thing to happen, really, in a way. Instead of saying, well, well you come back home and then... You cook your own bloody dinner, really, mate. <laughs> I've dealt with the kids, I've dealt with the whole lot. You want your shirt ironed? Well, <laughs> wake up uh, 10 minutes early and then I'll, you put the starch into the whole uh, stuff and you put that in your collar. Hein? Okay, on your bike. And then you see a bit the difference, really, because if it's a woman who's really at home and she thinks that she's really oppressed and the whole lot, she's got the control of the household, really. So... That's the same, really. And if she thinks she's manipulated and controlled with the money the bloke is coming back uh, in with, well, yeah, that's that's another thing. But you don't have to cook his dinner, really. Oh, yeah. And then, so it, it, that's the thing, really. Where where do we stop? Where do we escalate the whole lot? How do we look at it from, really? And, and is it really relevant in, in, in a way, really? Mm. 
Is there other more relevant uh, thing to talk about? No, not really, in a way, really. Well, yeah, I think uh, we that's started it, really. the conversation with the left, like talking about the left, left and, and right. right. And that's it, that's it. I think the neuropsychology is a really interesting way of approaching it. And mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a bit about the human givens, the, yeah. I guess, the psychotherapy course that we're, we both like. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like their approach because it's very, it's very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And they have a very solid framework, both mm -hmm. with regards to the emotional needs, but also with the APET model and how mm -hmm. to actually be a therapist and how mm -hmm. our emotions and thoughts are triggered, mm -hmm. or the full story of how that's yep. triggered. Or the algorithm. Mm. And I think, mm -hmm. I think the idea of addressing it or talking about it with the left and the right side of the brain, for me, is fascinating because we all have left and right side mm -hmm. of the brain and they all work the same and then it's all a bit about uh, diagnoses a little bit and then how do you qualify uh, mental health a little bit how do you put people into boxes in a way as well so because we've got a tendency nowadays to put the people and segregate people in smaller and smaller groups that become completely irrelevant almost so uh, people who are uh, manic depressive people all the different uh, depressions the different uh, Um, labels that we tend to uh, put on mental health as well as physical health I'm pretty sure um, tend to be quite irrele almost irrelevant in a way mm. you go into your life your life brain and if you have not got the ability to look uh, the world from your right brain you cannot be imaginative you cannot be all encompassing you cannot be altruistic and therefore you become a bit aut autistic in your way of uh, doing things really Yeah, but it's, it's almost as if today we're in today's society we're really eager to like label whatever you've got as a thing yep. so like Asperger's or yep. you know mm -hmm. dyspraxic or yep. dyslexic or whatever okay. but it but that like it's almost as if someone gets a label for their son and they're like oh phew it's confirmed that they've got this thing mm -hmm. it's like but How yeah, it confirmed. How, how does yeah. that help? Any, so, uh, it's not helping anyone. For parents, it helps, it helps maybe the parent, but it doesn't help the individual because it doesn't reflect his own reality. Mm. In a way, really. Being diagnosed is not really helping the person for actually being, for, for his mode of reality to be understood and integrated with the rest of everybody, really. In a way, and I think that's quite a tricky thing because there's uh, no uh, black and white way of uh, talking about autism. It's a, it's a spec we talk about spectrum in a way, mm. really. We talk about a shade of grey, really, uh, or a grey shade, like I like to say. <laughs> so um, it's, it's quite, um, yeah, yeah. It's all all those things really, and in the course we um, uh, will film at at some stage and the second part uh, and how to apply a little bit the uh, knowledge we or uh, the information we have actually put forward in terms of uh, pain. We there will be no diagnosis. We will not that we will not do something for sciatica. We're gonna do, or for knee pain, or for meniscal tear. We're not gonna do anything like that. We're gonna do for legitis. We're gonna do for backitis and uh, and armitis and Because. editis. So it's just like an, an inflammatory process in your leg. Mm. 
Mm. And, and in the, a way. the thought process behind that is... That the, the fact that you know it's Sartika doesn't really help you. And is it really Sartika? Or is it something that resembles Sartika? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. in a way, really. And, it, and it's, it doesn't seem beneficial for anyone to focus on the thing they've got. It's That's like, it. The now, tissue causing pain is preventing you from focusing on the reason uh, why it's actually not getting better. Yeah. That's the main problem. And so I, I used to say that to some people that I think I'm a little bit autistic because at times mm-hmm. I can definitely use my left brain or seem to be more in my left side of my brain mm-hmm. than my right side of my brain mm-hmm. but it's like that, that makes you good at editing uh, videos for podcasts well, uh, Elliot well done maybe, maybe well done be, be more in that side but that's it that's it that's it it's like that doesn't that it, it it's like okay what does that mean like and does it matter does it like so, the thing so is I'm, to know I'm, I might be slightly autistic or I might be slightly this or I might be slightly that but it's like but that yeah. that is that is like that is literally like reading the title of a book and not understanding anything about it, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. going any deeper. That's it's it. like you can do that if you want, but it, you're mm-hmm. never going to learn anything. You're not going to mm-hmm, expand mm-hmm. your your knowledge. Yeah. But if you approach things from, again, a bit more of like a neuro, um, psych- psychological uh, perspective mm-hmm. on like how your brain actually works, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's very interesting. And again, bringing it back to the human givens, they. I guess they, um, Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrell, both psychologists themselves, I Mm -hmm, believe, mm -hmm. um, the way that they talk about the, it's almost a very, it's almost a left brain way of laying out the framework really it's like yeah. it's quite where the framework is left brain that's, yeah. that's it that's it that's because, it so because then it's up to you the whole thing, to really. apply your i guess this is how i view it your anyway, right brain your chaos to it which is it. your which is the content of your story so they kind that's of it, that's it. supply you a bit with the context the context and it. and you then put the, your narrative and your story over the top of that mm-hmm. and it's almost like like a you've got like a grid and with that story over the top, you can really start to mm-hmm. figure out a bit more about mm-hmm. yourself and how you work. Yeah. And I, I think that's for, for more or your belief models. or your belief about if you're, a, if you're a bit uh, greedy for control, for example, well, you always think you want more control than you actually need. So you might have, you might have in your head, you don't have enough of the one thing you already got a lot of. And that's a bit the tricky part. So it warps you a little bit, really. And the way, you don't know, like, uh, some, you, how is it you approach somebody and you try to help them and sympathize with them, if that's what you're referring to a little bit, or you try to give them a hand if they're asking you for a bit of help. Uh, are you talking to them about the fact that they've completely messed up their uh, business relationship and they're uh, bankrupt in their or business is getting bankrupt or do you talk to them about being a bit control freaks really 
Are they gonna be more emotional uh, with uh, talking about the bankruptcy of the whole business and the relationship they had with their business partner and all those kind of things and all the story behind it and then he did that and then and then he did that and then he did that and then and then I did that and then he didn't do that and then na 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 okay rather than saying you're a control freak and you think you've got uh, not enough control compared to how much control you already have really so you're getting warped and stressed and pushed into your left brain and you're not really imaginative enough to actually find solutions because of that really for the problem really mm. and that becomes far less arousing so the, your friend is not going to bowl his eyes off but he's going to actually maybe even chuckle a bit because he knows he's a control freak that's the whole thing really but it's a and that's the context a little bit it's about his perception of control and if he was to actually reframe a little bit his perception of how much control he has um, he thinks he has and he gets a bit closer to how much control he really has well there's less stress and therefore there's more ability for him to go a bit into his right brain to be a bit more imaginative about problem solving for his um, for his uh, business or something like that really in a way but again we go back to uh, it's about, about communication a bit so you got resources about uh, the pattern matching the rapport it's all about rapport how is it you build rapport with people a little bit really how do you mimic uh, some people are not very good at mimicking people's body language all those kind of stuff and it actually uh, prevents them from having access to uh, an easy platform to be able to communicate with people really mm -hmm. and How is it you mimic people's uh, voice and the tone of voice and the phrasing of, uh, of your language and things like that, really? I think it's quite, it's quite a, a resource that is um, quite an important thing, really, and uh, from a human-given point of view. And then you got the pattern matching, in a way, really. So, yeah, and in the previous business, he was doing that, and then it was really annoying, and then he uh, thought he was doing it now, and then... So you really pattern match compared to something that has happened to you before, which was quite emotionally laden, and therefore you completely miss the point completely, really. Instead of being able to just step back a little bit, and you go into that, uh, that quick uh, <laughs> conclusion, uh, drawing in a way, really, okay? So the pattern matching is quite an important, uh, important thing, really, on the aspect for interpersonal uh, relationships, really, in a way. And for an individual as well, Uh, and I talk about for no apparent reason for people doing their backing and uh, basically that's a pattern matching and the firing sequence of muscle in their back and their uh, lumbar spine and then their abdominal wall and things like that is uh, very similar to the time when they hurt it before really and the wall spasm that is triggered is maybe a bit linked as well with the emotional state they are in at the time as well and the level of stress and things and then there's a bit of a pattern matching loop that is happening really so there's the amygdala uh, the right and the left are crude pattern matching is a really important it's like even an evolutionary uh, tool really to be able to uh, deal with uh, your change in, in your environment in a way really and to be safe really they mm -hmm. can booby trap you a little bit really 
So some yeah, without yeah. even talking about the needs, talking about the resources um, that you have at your disposal, um, uh, it's already quite difficult, really. You know, uh, how is it you pattern match and how is it you build rapport? How do you use your imagination? So if you're a bit autistic, you're not going to use your imagination very well. And if you're completely schizo, schizoid or psychotic in your full out in your right brain, well, your imagination is, is like Quentin Tarantino. It's like, it's trapping you over. that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. It becomes completely like it's uh, exuberant really a little mm. bit really. And that's maybe not. And that's where bringing a little bit of order or a little bit more of your let or like trying to bring some framework, left, a framework, a framework. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. You can be, it could be really advantageous that's it. to do that because then you're able to almost like, so, almost like harness that imagination on your right. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, and you might not have to use your left brain too much because somebody brings you a framework and you follow it. It's yeah. not too difficult or, to or, follow it. Or, or you know, if, if in a, in a business sense, or if you're an artist, for example, and you're a bit, schizoid or you know a bit mm -hmm. psychotic mm -hmm. but your art was incredible then obviously yep. someone to help you like an agent or a, or a personal assistant or something to be able to bring a little bit of that left that's brain it. side of things into your life it's like that's going to work really well no doubt so but that's a bit the um, the, the idea of us not not it's like it's like we're not helping each other or we're not um the conversation we're having isn't helping us view things from this perspective mm -hmm. and i think you've said this a number of times but i know uh they also i'm pretty sure i've heard it from other places including the human givens it's like what minds are we missing out on because the way that we approach mental health and the way that we approach approach uh depression anxiety and humans in general mm -hmm. isn't beneficial mm -hmm. it's not it's it's it doesn't seem to be mm -hmm. beneficial and like what minds are we missing out on because mm -hmm. we're not addressing it in in a beneficial yeah, that's, way. It, that's it there's a bit of a waste of diversity in a way yeah. of uh, people's uh, way of actually uh, processing the world with their left and their right brain and uh, a proportion of the two and thing of course yes that's completely true really but um you, the main thing is um, uh, it's humans who deal with uh, mental health on humans. So the whole therapist has got a mind himself, really. And that's the whole thing, really. If he doesn't apply the model, if he's applying a model that doesn't reflect reality, but as I've been taught, he's, he's not going to help, he's not going to be able to help others, really, <laughs> to uh, figure out the whole thing, really, in a way, really. That's mm. the main thing, really, because there's all the status, there's all the controls, there's all the security and the safety, there's all the uh, competence, there's all the uh, everything, really. It's all the attention and things like that, really. So from a medicalized uh, point of view, um, it's a bit uh, warped in a way, really. Oh, that's what I've been taught. Well, yeah, but things change. <laughs> mm. And there are different ways to actually look at it. You, you need to update your knowledge a little bit, and, and it's uh, a bit different difficult to actually navigate the whole thing really and mental health is a big big field where there's far too many ways of approaching things which are not completely irrelevant but they are not completely relevant how is it we find a unifying way of actually approaching uh, uh, people's mind 
Not their brain, like, but their mind, in a way. It's like uh, the reason why I, I think the human givens is one of the, it is the best model I've come across and why I don't think other models are particularly great is because there's lots of gaps in other models. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean something like CBT is, is always going to be ineffective mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, it's not all bad. Mm-hmm. And two, you're, you're still seeing a therapist yeah. and the therapist themselves, although they're using a model, they... They, they'll interpret that model in a different way and then they'll practice that in a different way mm-hmm. and then over time if they're good they'll they'll change how they practice that because they'll notice this might be more effective for this person etc etc mm-hmm. and and then as a therapist it's going to be different from CBD as a model yeah yeah and and what I found really interesting or fascinating about the human givens is that every other form of therapy that I'm aware of fits really well into it like there's aspects of it yeah. so, shall i say that fit re- that explain why that type of therapy can be quite effective mm-hmm. but as you say on- so it's a bit of an overarching kind of a meta model that actually goes over all the different models and all the different models have got a part of a place in that, in that overarching in, model, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, CBT is good and you, it, it's about efficiency, it's about efficacy or efficiency or the, the, the speed at which you can solve problems, all those kind of stuff. And some people respond better to others, but they don't quite know because they don't know themselves well enough and they don't have a framework they can use. Really, and uh, in the human givens, uh, behavioral uh, techniques are very uh, used an awful lot as well huh? in order to help people to uh, change certain behaviors. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. it, really. Yeah. Um, but um, to change certain ways of uh, seeing the world, uh, CBT is maybe not the best uh, way, in a and, way, really. And, or, or changing your knowledge about how you function, CBT might not be the best way. And really. that's um, where trauma comes into it, isn't it? Because in order to re in order to help someone with trauma, you have to help them change the way they see the world or the, the way that they see the, tra- the traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And if you're just going in on a behavioural therapy, mm-hmm. then we talk about the APET model mm-hmm. and behavioural therapies, gen- what they only, I, I'm only aware of them focusing on the E and the T, the emotion yeah. and the thought. Mm-hmm. And or the thought and the emotion. Yeah. So it's in the wrong way. Uh, the round wrong way round. Round. Yeah. And whereas the human givens talks more about the... Activating agent. And then... And the pattern matching. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what if you focus from my understanding, if you focus on the emotion and the thought or the thought and the emotion, you can help someone control kind of their emotion and their thought on very low level things but when it's quite a traumatic thing and your your whole body has the act the activating agent happens and then your whole body in lots of different ways has the pattern matching mm-hmm. you're not going to have an awful lot of control over the emotion or the thought no. which is why even though it might help you from having i don't know less suicidal thoughts or being able to control your mind about sleep or whatever whatever it is if you're actually having a really traumatic experience where you're walking down the street and this the there's like a crude pattern matching going on mm-hmm. 
because the light, like you said before, the lights flickering, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. wet on the pavement, it's a certain light, and etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera, and that reminds you of a traumatic experience you've had. It doesn't that's remi- the activating agent. It doesn't You're- remind you. You don't have any consciousness. You don't have any. Sure, yeah. You don't even remember it's happening. Mm. But part of your brain is kicking up. Uh, and, and it gets activated and crudely pattern match and gives you that flat and fried response, which actually uh, is there to protect you in a way. Mm. So it's a normal thing. It's automated in a way. But it's seen as a really quite negative thing to experience. So the, the physical experience you have as well as the emotion, because I think emotion is a is sensation as well. That's where a bit the confusion can be, really. Emotion and sensation are a bit the same thing on that APET model, really. Mm-hmm. So it could be APEST or something like that. The E and the S would be a bit the same thing because uh, when the autonomic uh, type thing comes in, it closes your mind, you fall into the one brain, but you got your, uh, the blood going away from your gut into your muscle, your bronchis dilate, your pupil <coughs> uh, dilate, your saliva goes, all those kind of stuff, really. You get that... Uh, uh, you get crushed by your autonomic nervous system, really, mm-hmm. in order to be like a, a, a puppet, in a way, really, of, 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 um, in order to survive, really. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, oh, well, hold on, uh, are the daisies and the dandelion really well at this time of the year, really? You can't, it's, that, that's impossible, really. You, mm-hmm. you die, you mm-hmm. die. Or, or people who were actually uh, uh, able to access those kind of things whilst being in that flat and fright response, where they've been all they've been all eaten, they've been weeded out, they've not been able to reproduce, they've not been able to have uh, children, they've not able to be mm. to pass on the uh, pat, the uh, pattern of behavior uh, and the way they were expressing their genetic material. Really, so we've been really bred into responding in that fashion. Really. And and it's a very normal thing. And people who have got anxiety, they feel that it's really abnormal, really. But actually, it's not abnormal at all. It's, the it's, main problem is they don't know what the activating agent is. As soon as you know what the activating agent is, as soon as you know what the context is happening, and if you get... Um, if you were traumatized and you were able to go through that uh, rewind technique to just like de-arouse you and desensitize the response your body is having in light of that uh, activating agent, well, all of a sudden, you, that's it, next. You pass on to another one, really. But the world is likely to traumatize you again because there's chaos all the time. Yeah. The uncertainty of the future is, is what we deal with all the time. And exactly. our brain is really well equipped for that really but problem is people get stuck into one thing because the society and people they talk to have got no idea about the model and how it actually really works it's, about, about but, it's, it, really. but it's also not just the model because there i'm sure there are other models or there are the, there are other models that are quite successful or vary and mm-hmm. there will be more models probably in the future but mm-hmm. it's people don't have any idea of how our bodies respond to things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I have anxiety again, mm-hmm. again. It's like they, people seem happy with that label. Mm-hmm. It's like, n- no, that's that's uh, mm-hmm. that's the title of maybe this mm-hmm. chapter, and then and the, the and actual then... chapter is much much more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And if you want, you can go on a journey and actually learn about that, mm-hmm. and maybe write a nice ending to that chapter. Mm-hmm. And then the next chapter. But that's your of, thought. That's your of, thought of oppression. Yeah. 
of trauma or whatever yeah. else starts mm-hmm. but the, mm-hmm. the more you're able to work through your anxiety mm-hmm. and I believe that this model and the science behind it is like mm-hmm. a great place to start mm-hmm. the more you're able to work through one anxiety mm-hmm. like next time you have an anxiety you're probably going to get quite a bit better mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but the problem is anxiety is a bit of a peculiar definition of an experience you're having. So we go back to that phenomenological type thing. It's your experience that actually, um, um, and the interpretation of your experience. You're about to, you're an adrenaline junkie. Uh, you're about to base jump from the uh, 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 big Ben. <laughs> you're having the same sensation that somebody who's anxious of uh, of talking in front of uh, public of the public in the way really so two people have got the same sensation but interpret it in a different fashion mm-hmm. the thought you're having in light of the emotion is different really and uh, in the two cases the pattern matching is a bit different but the sensation is the same That's the thing, really. Yeah, that's why it's, In a way, it's really, almost okay? become a bit of a normalized the word anxiety. Oh, well, it's it's a bit of a normalization. Yeah, and it. it's again, it's not really about focusing on I have anxiety or mm-hmm. I have this disorder or mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. or I or even worse, I am this. That's I it, am it. anxious. It's I like, am anxious. It's, it's, it. it's better to focus on here's a here's a model and mm-hmm. when something happens. Mm-hmm sit down write down some mm-hmm. of the things but not, not when it happens because you when you're anxious you can't really uh, work uh, out uh, the whole lot really yeah. you need to be really you need to be really calm and really um, um, composed and de-aroused in order to be able to analyze the whole lot and look mm. and it's like um, so that's another resource as well about being able to dissociate yourself. You're able to look at yourself being, you, you're able to be conscious of yourself being conscious. Mm. That's the whole sapiens sapiens. That's where the whole thing comes really very importantly. But that you're not able to do that when you're legging it uh, and your body is preparing you to fly away from danger or what you perceive as being danger. Okay. That's the main thing, really. So mm. you cannot try to analyze the whole lot uh, when you're aroused. And when you go and see a therapist, if you're bawling your eyes off uh, or you're having an anxiety attack, it, yeah, you can uh, you can go 65,000 times more to them and re-experience the whole lot until you're able to maybe uh, override with your cortical activity and your thought is changing about how the experience is. is. But uh, yeah, it takes an awful long time, really. And it's a, a bit masochistic. You have to really rehearse the whole lot again and again and again. You need to face your uh, fear or you need to face the chaos. You need to face the whole lot and you need to be, put the head in it in order for you to uh, look at it differently. And Or how Peterson is talking about it from a Jungian point of view in a way and a psychotherapeutical point of view you get exposed to the whole lot uh, uh, willingly uh, willingly yeah, yeah. willingly in a way so you go you go there and you want to go there you're jumping in you're jumping in it's your, it's in your choice it's your choice which actually changes the whole thing a bit. But by actually looking at the activating agent, the pattern matching, the sensation you're having, and the thoughts that lead to, to that, and looking at the whole thing in that sequence, you don't have to be exposed to it too many times, and you can actually do so without being aroused. 
And I think that's the main, the main thing. We, you must not be emotionally aroused when you're having therapy. Yeah. Because it's actually preventing you from actually uh, looking at yourself experiencing the whole self. Yeah. And it, it prevents you from using your imagination properly. It prevents you from really understanding the pattern matching. It prevents you from you, really using your cognitive abilities. So another term that they, or a term that they coined, contextual, which I think you mentioned already, context mm-hmm. blindness. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the same thing again. That's if it. you're if you're anxious or really emotionally aroused by something, yeah. whatever it might be, mm-hmm. quite often from my personal experience, when I've, I, I know to do some breathing or go on a walk, like mm-hmm. those are two great tools mm-hmm. that we all have, deep breathing and walking that tend to de-arouse you. Mm-hmm. But there's been many times that I've gone for a walk or I've done mm-hmm. some breathing and mm-hmm. still my mind has been quite, I like to say, psychotic about focusing on these in particular pieces of detail mm-hmm. within the situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And usually that's like something that someone said or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, so you can do something that's, you can use one of your tools mm-hmm. of, of breathing mm-hmm. and walking to try mm-hmm. and de-arouse yourself. But mm-hmm. all that time you're not actually doing anything because you're, you're focusing way too much on this one thing Mm -hmm. again contextually blind Mm -hmm. your body's full of adrenaline cortisol and all these things Mm -hmm. that your body gives you when you're fight or flight and And you've got a fixed state of attention yeah and then you're you're still not going to be able to Mm -hmm. get to get to the bottom of what what the anxiety Mm -hmm. or whatever it is is about and then we you talk to me now and you don't feel your glasses because you were paying attention to me but as soon as i mention your glasses you can feel them So nonetheless, when you got that thought in your head and you're walking and you're trying to do the breathing and you still have focusing on the whole lot, you are fixed onto that, uh, on that uh, thing rather than being able to take the whole encompassing thing and smell the air. So you need to do the breathing, but you need to maybe smell the air, try to figure out what the, uh, how it smells and put your focus on other sensations, other sensations, other senses in order to completely refocus on the whole forest really you're on to you're focused on the tree or too much really yeah in yeah, a way yeah. really yeah but, but um, that's the whole thing you're having an argument with your uh, girlfriend or your partner whatever or your wife or your husband and then you go a bit uh, ape about the whole lot and then there's a pattern matching the rapport is not able to be happening and then you get completely aroused the whole thing doesn't go anywhere and then you're like okay well i'm gonna go outside have a cigarette and we'll talk about it when i come back really uh, you know uh, because uh, you need to maybe sleep on it. Let's sleep on it. Let's talk about it tomorrow. And you have to go back tomorrow on a, uh, and having relayed the whole lot. And you need to have your head to have actually had the opportunity to focus on other things in order to revisit the whole thing. And maybe we'll start, start the conversation a bit differently. Mm. And if you start the conversation the same, uh, with the same sentence and the whole lot, bang! That's it, really, okay? And then, and then once again... Same thing with therapy. If you're in in that state with a partner or a friend, mm-hmm. and you started the conversation the same way, mm-hmm. voices have started to high, and like there's nothing you can do. Just nothing. So you, you, you have it. you have to leave it. That's it. And then come back to come it back day. revisit it another day. Yeah. Not uh, in 15 minutes. No, in half an hour. You will not have been able to uh, de arouse yourself and defocus yourself enough on the whole lot and your uh, partner or the person you're talking to as well. So you need to focus on something and talk. There's so many other things to talk about. Yeah, anyway. and I think that's that brings it. us really nicely on to sleep. 
uh-huh. and the expectation fulfillment theory of dream, mm-hmm. which again, from my personal experience, has is always the strongest tool that I've ever experienced mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. derails myself, mm-hmm. and often that's because fatigue doesn't help with mm-hmm. with being you know contextually blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, also the expectation, I'm sure, expectation fulfillment theory of dream, mm-hmm. where essentially in your dreams you get an expectation that has been opened during the day mm-hmm. and it's loaded your autonomic nervous system as well mm-hmm. so you run to your adrenal which which is what actually makes you it's what can or should motivate you that's to it. act on that expectation. on that expression that's it that's it with uh, your dopamine mm-hmm. but you need to be you need to be wording the whole thing pretty well and you need to be intentional in the way you actually do it That's the whole lot, really. So, because dopamine is about intention, your intention, so logos, uh, the, the way you articulate the whole lot, really. So, to try to fulfill that need, you need to be really clear about what is it you're going to do to achieve it and what is it is going to give you, in a way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, if you can't do that, well, at night, you're going to have to, in your REM, because that's the whole thing, really. It's not really. The REM is enabling you to de-arouse you. It's enabling you to learn. It's enabling you to the whole day, the, the whole daydreaming. It enables you to pattern match. It enables you to um, rehearse all the uh, pattern of behaviors that are helping you to actually walk and and breathe and do your thermoregulation, all those kind of stuff. So it's a very quite strange. You, you dream. Your dream is inside the REM, mm. and and your learning. Uh, I saw my daughter like that uh, for a couple of days. She was obsessed about putting a key into a lock. I mean, like two days, could not do the whole lot, and she could not do it. She didn't have the motor skill to do it, and she rehearsed it. There was only one thing. I was a bit worried she might be autistic a bit at that stage. <laughs> Not quite, but like, she had really fixed state of attention, and she went to bed for her nap uh, lunchtime, and then she woke up, she came downstairs, she had a bit of uh, bits and bobs, a bit of water, took the key, it went into the lock, and that was that. Last time she she played with it for five more minutes, and it was that done. So it's not until she went to sleep that all the whole motor coordination and the integration of the whole lot, her uh, eye-hand coordination, all the different reflexes got a bit uh, rehearsed and properly done, bang, and she was able to actually do the whole task. So she had learned that whole learning thing. My generation, when I was going to school, we had lovely teachers who were quite hands-on. And there was a bit of uh, corporal punishment with rulers and all sorts of things and uh, ringless hands and all sorts of things, really. And <laughs> the mo- which is interesting-ish. But um, I don't hold a grudge. And there was nothing unfair about that. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I think it can be quite a good thing as well. But the main problem is... I got uh, clipped in the back of the head several times when I was actually daydreaming in the classroom. 
and that's a bit for a teacher um, that's a bit of a lack of knowledge and maybe the knowledge at the time was not very there but when you're in daydreaming mode you're in the REM and you're actually learning so the info it's actually uh, the uh, the teacher should be really grateful the kid is actually daydreaming in his uh, course mm. in his lesson unless he daydreams from the word go okay but after 20 minutes or half an hour the kid is daydreaming and he's going to integrate the new information and try to slot it into the knowledge he already has and try to integrate it and and make it function function into his new knowledge which is what the uh, the REM does at night as well okay so um, do as teachers do not disrupt kids who are daydreaming in your lessons because it's when they actually do the learning okay not when you repeat the stuff the 15th time in the same fashion okay that's definitely as a pedagogue you have to really understand that the brain does the whole teaching okay you don't you just bring the information and the brain actually is during that daydreaming is able to actually slot it and integrate it perfectly with the previous uh, information in a way and previous knowledge so that's that's an awesome stuff like the whole rem is really really quite interesting and very very critical uh, thing for our evolution in a way really so you're able to actually integrate new patterns into the set of patterns you already have really so it becomes quite Quite a big, big, big thing, really. And you spoke before about how with the pattern matching, it's a crude pattern matching, mm-hmm. and us practicing it in sleep, obviously, is a, or kind of practicing it or going or doing the pattern matching in our REM sleep mm-hmm. is a really important part process for us for learning. Mm-hmm. And so, to the point where babies do it in the in the womb mm-hmm. with regards to suckling the mother's teeth mm-hmm. and it because it's or, or facial expressions yeah or things like that really so oh my baby is a love he's, he's smiling no he just mimics the way you do in order for, for you to empathize and be laden with uh, oxytocin in order to be able to have rapport with your baby and to be able to nurture him okay And uh, that's uh, prolactin does quite a lot of that, and a lot of uh, things from uh, even men tend to have a bit the whole effect like that. There's a quite a, a bit of an interesting uh, effect from having a, a baby in a way, and that's why the baby looks like his dad. I looked at my daughter, my firstborn, and he, I was looking at myself. Really, it was a, it's really weird how it does because it's obviously not your. It's obviously not you, but nature has put things in place in order for you straight away to completely be in love with that uh, little creature. Straight away. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're there. You're compl- if there was just one benefit of being uh, at my present for the birth of my kids was to really experience that, really. You're, you're glued. That's it. Ping. You're imprinted. Branded. That's mm-hmm. it. That, yeah. And that's, that's and why that's, people say there's nothing like having your own baby or there's nothing like being a ma- like a parent or whatever. Yeah, that's it, that's it. And for mums to actually be able to breastfeed and things like that, the wool, there's so many advantages. And bizarrely, the prolactin is having an effect on the mum's uh, amount of REM sleep in her sleep. So 
um, the producting is going to change the way the uh, brain is actually uh, splitting the sleep into slow wave sleep and REM and it's going to increase the allocation of REM in order for the mum to be able to deal better with the emotional, emotional upheaval from having a new kid mm. and having to maybe meet the need of the kid before meeting her own need and things like that. And therefore, she doesn't have enough slow wave sleep. And that's why a lot of mum have got cavities, they lose their hair after a while of breastfeeding, uh, bone density, all aches and pains, all those kind of things, really. There's because, a bit that... that because your slow wave sleep helps your body repair repair yourself yeah yeah peripherally yeah 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 yeah, yeah. or bodily Bodily. it's a bodily repair rather than a mind repair and your body your mind will take more REM sleep yeah and in in adults it's supposed to be something like 25% REM sleep 75 slow wave yeah And but your mind would probably would take more, so it would be more yeah. like 50 50 or something. I'm not too sure, I'm not or, sure exactly, or, or, or whatever, or whatever. Obviously, that's it, that's it would change, it. but that's it, that's it, that's it would change it. in that direction. And then your body is healing itself less mm-hmm. because it needs yeah. more REM sleep. More. That, or well, that, that, that's maybe it needs, I'm not too sure, but that's what the that's what we notice, and uh, and maybe evolutionarily speaking, uh, that has got an advantage, and the advantage is maybe for the mum to be able to process the fact that she now cannot focus on herself anymore. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, oxytocin as well, so that's the prolactin, but there's oxytocin, there's all other sort of uh, hormonal uh, surges and things like that, which actually make you, uh, a mum will uh, throw herself in front of a car to save her kid, really. Mm-hmm. She's completely selfless, mm-hmm. to a point where it's actually, she's possibly quite dangerous in a way, really. Possibly, yeah. In a way. I mean, yeah. Okay. And- that I think as a as an idea separate from childbirth but also related to childbirth is unbelievable for me like with regards to we're obviously talking a lot about chronic pain and uh, and our course on pain mm-hmm. so like not only are your expectations that are un unmanaged or not met shall we say mm-hmm. No, or you I'm, think you don't mind. It's or, or, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but if you've got that expectation, both. that's where it is. Ah, but no, no, no. It's uh, how much you think your need is met and how much your need is really met. And the difference between the two. Uh, so sure, actually, yeah. you're actually getting stressed from something that mostly... Uh, at, that's that's where actually, your expectation is. Your mm-hmm. expectation isn't getting met. Whether you need that expectation or not is a separate thing. Ah, that's it, that's you it, that's set it. that expectation yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not getting met. So it's a want your, or a need a bit your body is then taking more REM sleep, mm-hmm. t- taking more than its fair share, shall we yeah. say, of REM mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. And therefore your body is repairing itself Less. at a letter, lesser Less rate. rate. Uh-huh. And for people who have, who, like, who are really active, mm-hmm. people who have fibromyalgia and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that can be massively detrimental very quickly because mm-hmm. often they'll be exercising, 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 mm-hmm. carrying on as normal, mm-hmm. but then their body's not repairing. Mm-hmm. And obviously within childbirth, there's an awful lot of physical parts of a woman that need to repair properly mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like you say with their like their lips and their hair and mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that often those the teeth, the teeth or the teeth, teeth yeah 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 um mm-hmm. yeah because uh, they need because their body is taking more REM sleep that's it they're not able to 
from the breastfeeding, from some of the hormones that actually uh, stimulate the mammillary gland in order for the woman to have a bit the surge in milk. The wool prolactin part of it is actually affecting the way your brain deals with sleep and changes the whole thing. I mean, it's just like the way it's put together is completely... It's insane, really. Yeah. It's just like bonkers, really. It is nuts. It's so babies coming out of the womb are pattern matching uh, and rehearsing in their... Uh, I, get, I get babies, I unwind them and try to... Newborn, really newborn. I try to unwind them and know you'd find a bit the wool tension in their diaphragm, in their pelvis, in their skull, at the base of their skull and thing. And then when they, they come to fall asleep, they go into their REM. You can see them with their eyes going... All over the place, and then they start to smile, they start to ground, they pull, they pull faces. It's the uh, the sequence of firing of different muscles in your face to do your facial expression needs to be rehearsed by the baby every RM for you not to lose it before you're able to actually consciously recruit it in order to be able to have rapport with people consciously in a way, okay? And you can mimic people's facial expression. So the baby needs to be in contact with people in order to be able to see the person and then the brain actually matches their facial expression in order to be able to actually uh, engage with them and then get their needs met because they are a bit useless. It's starting from an early age on how to build rapport with that person. That's it. And mimicking but it's a very automated and a very reflex-based uh, uh, thing, basically. Mm. Yeah. But you want your parent to actually do things for you because you're completely... You're, uh, you need. You, you're, uh, you're useless. Mm-hmm. You're completely useless. Yeah. So that's the main problem of uh, encephalization and the fact that the brain is getting bigger. We tend to have uh, ba- babies um, who are born who are completely useless. That's it. And we're going to spend an awful long time at uh, training them, possibly, well, I don't know how long it takes to train a human to be a human really but it takes a, a little while really compared to for a, an elk to be come an elk uh, you come out you take the placenta you take the uh, after birth and then on you on you get on your legs and on you on you go really yeah. the two hours or three hours later you should be able to get away from predators really that's mm-hmm. the thing really being douche douche that's done and that's your own elk that's it finished So your mom doesn't have to teach you an awful lot, really. She can just supplement a bit your diet a little bit and wait for a few bits and bobs to happen. But like a baby, it's it just like... months and months. Well, it takes years. Years, years and years and years and years to actually be able to do for the person, for an individual to be independent in a way, really. And nowadays, well, with all those mental health and all those, uh, uh, the way society goes and goes about it, he, we get even... It's even longer before uh, people... Uh, well, yes, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. And, 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 and the lack of information um, and the lack of knowledge about the way we tend to, who we are, uh, tend to be a bit of a hurdle for a lot of people, really. And, 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 and 
the skills they have is not very conducive for them to be socialized uh, very well, really. And uh, depressed people spend a lot of time, they are quite agoraphobic, they go a fear of the marketplace, it's called, uh, and they don't spend much time uh, in town, really, in, uh, in shops and in, in cafes, talking with other people, and so like that, they tend to spend time at home in their beds, really, on their own, really, and That's becoming quite a tricky thing, really. Mm. The motivation and thing. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah. The whole, the whole resources of uh, having your imagination, your rapport, your pattern matching, your ability to uh, look at yourself in a way, really, and dissociate a bit yourself and see a bit of being conscious or being conscious are really super super important in a way mm. and then after yes there's all the needs that we talk always about the wow there's a Maslow and the hierarchy of needs again another hierarchy oh my god mm -hmm. and then Oops. danger danger um, but it, has, it kind of has to be a hierarchy right because Otherwise, which one do you start with? Ah, but that's it, that's it. And then we can... And, and we made that, we individually every single day make that a hierarchy by by literally ordering those needs in a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they are needs. You, if you have got no control in your life and you can't really financially secure yourself or you don't, you're not very safe in the environment you're in and you've got no status and uh, you're not too sure how to get people's attention and things like that. If you uh, think of getting uh, something greater than you and the aspiration for something altruistic and something that is uh, spiritual or religious and you... Uh, get down that road, maybe you miss the point a bit. You miss the point. You need to meet certain things before and then after you can do the whole lot. Yeah, you need to help yourself before helping others. Mm -hmm. There's that. So after we talk about being a bit selfish really and I think there is a degree of selfishness that is needed in order for people to be able to cater for others in a way really. If you're a dysfunctional uh, person, it's going to be difficult for you to deal with other people. And, and we see a lot of professions who the way they are trained and the way the whole thing is going um, and the way they've learned things and the way they use their brain and the way the demand of the information they have is putting pressure on the way they use their brain. They don't tend to be very socially apt, really, in a way, really. So a lot of people in, uh, in caring professions uh, well, leave the danger of uh, elderly on the table and, uh, and demented people have got the jug of water on the side and they don't drink all day because nobody really <laughs> cares really <laughs> about simple stuff really. So it becomes a bit tricky in a way. And how is it you interact with people? How is it you can, you know... Empathize or sympathize or maybe not, but all the rest really. How is it you go about being a human around other humans in a way really? And certain statuses and profession tend to prevent you a bit from doing that really in a way really. But yeah, hmm. I think that's a um, nice intro into a lot of the mental health side of things or the mm. human, I guess, human givens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the more we, framework. 
The more we read about it, the more we, the more we talk about it, the more we, um, I don't know, like, uh, the more we have therapy ourselves uh, from a human given perspective, the more we experience the whole lot, the more insight we have, the more we digest a bit all the knowledge, the more we integrate it, the more we pattern match it within our own set of uh, uh, knowledge, really. So the better we are actually articulating the whole thing. I think it's, that's the interesting part of yeah, it. Yeah, the more content we have on the human givens context mm -hmm. that's it yeah and the more we've integrated it and the more we experience it the more we uh, go to or not the more but i don't know like going to a human given therapist uh, uh, several times give you an idea having had a rewind technique i don't know i've i had a phobia of needles at one stage and uh, well My my sister could have, uh, or the nurse could have uh, done phlebotomy on me and uh, uh, try to uh, take some bloods for years on me. I would still have been passing out at the sight of the whole thing going in, really. And uh, I had the rewind by doing a course and I did a workshop in uh, Bristol about it and about trauma and what we were talking about. And then we did the rewind about that uh, situation. I remembered exactly which context it happened and when it happened and before that I had no problem and then after that event I had a bit of a problem and we did we it's an electrician who did the rewind technique on me and then I shook his hand saying oh, wow well done oh, good job and saying but I didn't feel any different really and thank god it's all about it was about uh, taking blood really so you don't have to do that every morning before brushing your teeth really <laughs> So my phobia was really a bit, almost something that could be socialized in a mm. way. I didn't, yeah. it was not crossing the road, really. But did it or work? Swing. And uh, the first time I went to the doctor and he took my, uh, the nurse took my blood. I didn't even know how it was done. So I was a bit like, oh, oh wow, it's a, fl oh wow, it's not a syringe, it's like a little file. Oh, and then there's an anticoagulant at the bottom, look at the jelly there. Oh, and then, and then she, was, she was looking, it was like I had... I had to make a new memory out of the whole lot. Mm. I had to, to, to re-imprint my brain about the thing. And actually, I had never really looked at it because every time I was, eh, I was past that before it was even happening, really. Huh. Okay? So I had never really seen the whole stuff happen. Or, you, don't, you don't look, so you don't really see <laughs> it, really. And for the first time, I was looking at it being like, like a kid in a candy yeah. shop. It was really most peculiar, really. To experience the whole lot was really... Peculiar, and not have the, the whole autonomic uh, stuff happening at all, really. Despite knowing that I was having a phobia of having my blood taken, and the lady had told me she was going to take my blood, okay? So there was, the, the thought of it was completely clear. That's it, really. The, the tea of apet was completely clear. And then uh, it's in a room, uh, like in, at the doctor's surgery, so it's, uh, the whole environment is the same, a bit, all the same, really. And it's a nurse. She's got her stuff who, who's returned. I'm a nurse, or I'm a nurse. You can see it. She comes with her little tray, all those kind of stuff, really. So it's exactly the same routine, exactly the same thing, but you don't have the... the the freeze part of it really you mm. pass out to like to well if I play dead maybe she's not going to do it yeah 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 but that's, uh, that's, that's, part, that's 
Okay. Was it fight, fight, or flight, and freeze? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Where we could talk a bit about more about uh, polyvagal theory. Mm, at, I, bet, I bet we could. At, at some stage, about all the evolutionary stuff and myelinated and unmyelinated part of the vagus nerve and the cardiopulmonary and the digestive part. But that's another story. It's all the physiology of feeling safe. It's really like it's, it's amazing, really. Again, and it's really evolutionary. It's really, wow, it's like it's mind-bending, really. Mm. And it can be really used in your understanding of the whole lot. It's actually absolutely fab, really. So I had a, a freeze part of it, which is a bit that cardiopulmonary stuff. It's your heart to actually send you the feedback, and then you have to actually equilibrate the blood pressure. So you faint, you play dead, boom. You stop a bit breathing as well, which is not really helping too much, but mm. hopefully you come back to yeah, it a bit faster. That's it, that's it. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's quite um, it's awesome, those stuff. Experiencing the whole result of the therapy itself and some of the therapeutical technique when applied even by uh, somebody. Uh, the guy was an electrician, but he had been explained on a day course. He did the whole lot. It's about his, the re, that rewind technique is really is storytelling. So we talk about myth after all the rest and things. Mm. It's quite a lot. It's so exciting, really. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anyway, reality or not quite reality, metaphor, all the rest and things, really. The whole, mm. the whole suggestive part of it and things like that, really. How story heals a little bit. And there's some really absolutely amazing amazing stuff about all that really it opens you up to an interesting way of using your brain and seeing a bit how you respond to your changing environment and how you condition your AR and things it's like poor. I think there's we need to uh, shout about it and I guess the, the podcasts are really excellent for that really yeah. we need to shout about it on all all the bloody wavelengths really to try to have more and more people uh, looking at it that way really in order to maybe try to find new patterns of behaviors <laughs> and 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 see what is stored in our dna and what we can express a little bit in that changing environment and there's even more need for the evolutionary pressure <laughs> the environment is changing too fast and we're a bit like ah, it's not fair Well, yeah, that's not going to help. No, that's we, not going to help people yeah. express. That's not going to help people change. And feel safe. Yeah. And uh, not be catexic. And all the rest, really. And focus on the things that matter most. And that's why we go back to the whole thought about our idea about uh, uh, no fuel Sunday, really. Or, or uh, no credit card Sunday. Or no cash Sunday. Or... No stop, con stop consuming some cons some to stop consuming Sunday really. Oui, yes, yeah, stop using money on Sunday because you need to consume other things. You need to consume togetherness. You need to consume community. You need to consume a meaningful relationship with others. Maybe a bit of intimacy, a bit of uh, um, you know like. All the whole thing about attention, status, the whole lot. You need to try to look at all those needs in a bit of a different fashion than the mercantile and using your, your credit card fashion, really. It's, it's um, our... Uh, Mr. Peterson always talks about Nietzsche saying God is dead. Yeah, yeah. And 
uh, I think it was in Maps and Meaning he reads that or mm-hmm. half that that um, chapter mm-hmm. or Pyroff or something. And you can really hear from when Nietzsche is saying God is dead that he's not saying he's saying we have killed him, yeah, yeah, and that he is dead. But he's not. It's not a celebration. It's a. Uh, it's it's like what it's like what have we done and mm-hmm. what are we gonna what are we going to replace it with? But that's it. We and need a new story. We need a new myth. And the we idea need a scientific of myth. The idea that's of it, really. that story being completely useless because a lot of people again. I I see it as like interpreted it very much with their left brain and the way that we read stories and interpret stories is very mm-hmm. different to how they were. Oh, we, when so, we believe, when we believe, yeah, and yeah. so and it the, uses you, it uses you, yeah, 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 and and the way the doctrine was taught in the Western world was mm-hmm. probably very different to how it was in the Eastern world, and I mm-hmm. I believe it was very different to how the Bible was intended, but mm-hmm. also all the other. Uh, all the other religions and 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 Bibles mm-hmm. all talk about or books, books or books or, or stories or, or myth, yeah. or myth. Yeah, yeah. That they that they often talk about having a rest, mm-hmm. or like you know the Sabbath and yeah. things like that. And I think in today's world, it's almost like they felt the need for it back then. Mm-hmm. I need I need to go to the shop on Sunday because I want to have a feel at what I buy and I don't have time to do that the rest of the week. That's it. So that's it. So you can't have okay. any rest about the whole lot. Why is it? How wrong is it to have one day where you don't uh, consume and you do other things <laughs> because there's uh, other things that need to be done really. Another thing that's an individual led thing. The more the more people stay at home on Sunday and or, or go to their neighbors on foot on Sunday and um, yeah they might have to use the agar still to cook the lamb or thing like that really and that they've bought during the week no doubt but that's the thing really because the lamb is not going to uh, appear in the, in the agar like that really so but uh, to have a, a day where you actually celebrate other things and not uh, mercantile and not profiteering and not consuming type uh, uh, story and you can talk to each other and exchange ideas and uh, see a bit what there is in other people's brains a bit really rather than in other people's wallets and things like that really how is it you can go about doing that really and mm. maybe some people are going to want to have a day off on Friday because uh, they go to the mosque and others is going to be on Saturday others is going to be on Sunday but we could have Friday Saturday and Sunday all together really or just one day of the week some people work, might work Friday that's Saturday. it that's Sunday. it exactly but you can definitely find and it's going to be better for you mentally mm-hmm. like it's definitely going to be better for you in every way it's going to be better for your that's wallet it. you're probably going to be a little bit more organized so you can have that day away from consuming that's or it. buying or using yeah. money or whatever mm-hmm. organizing and, the rest of your week yeah and or, yeah. yeah and once you've done a food uh, a food uh, plan or a bit of a meal plan 
Well, actually, you can go and shop and then you shop for the meals and therefore you don't uh, shop more and therefore you waste a bit less food and you less food is mean you waste less money and uh, there's less trash uh, around all the rest, really. Those kind of things is as simple as that, really. You don't have to stop buying food and stop using money, but you can maybe take a bit of stock and uh, uh, reflect on all the whole lot, really, and maybe take ideas from others and mm. all the rest, really. And sh- and share your ideas and share your ideas and just the idea of spending more you know consuming something different spending more time Mm -hmm. with with people talking reading playing games so it's brilliant in English because you got two words you say there's a rich man and there's a wealthy man so we need to get a bit richer not wealthier and I think that's quite a great way of looking at it really um, it's about consuming and, and, and buying into other stuff to make you rich, really. Your rich is your culture, is your uh, community, is your family, is all those different uh, nuclei, really, in a way, really, that are enabling you to, well, stand on both your feet and be a human, really. Because Robinson, on his little island, on his own, uh, until Friday turns up, he loses it completely. He becomes a complete... He's a beast, really. Mm. He, he starts to try to uh, seed the earth with his uh, spank, really. And it turns out it's a bit into a weird, weird way. He loses it. He becomes mentally ill. And uh, Friday comes, and then all of a sudden... It all happens. Apparently, it's a Friday. It could have been cool Sunday. Could have been better. <laughs> now that's it. All all those interesting uh, parts, really, and and the link it has on society and all the rest, really, and diplomacy and and us individually. That's it. That's it. That's it. Everything. Cool. Thank you, um, Elliot. Thank you, Alexei. It was really great to talk to you again I enjoyed that perambulation with you that's it that's it let's perambulate we're going to perambulate around the same thing for a little while I guess but there's a lot to talk about and it would be good to have another person so please come along if you want to contact us and you want to speak with us or you or we want to hear you as well speak with us in order to well expand a bit our knowledge about things really we are very happy to agree to disagree <laughs> no problem mm. we don't have to have the same ideas in the contrary and i think it's great to articulate different things in order to um, well yeah expand our horizons get rid of that echo chamber a little bit if possible Nicely put. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Ciao. Bon. Bon.